Hi guys and welcome back to the Fill Your Boots podcast. Uh, today I have the pleasure of being joined by Anna Monday. She is a relationship with food nutritionist, uh, specialising in working with people to improve their relationship with food, their body and their mind. Absolutely love that. So thanks for coming on. How are you? No problem. Uh, yeah, I'm good, thank you. All good. How about you? Yeah, good. We've just said we've both been so busy today. We're just like, whoa, trying to figure out what's going on. Just reeling a little bit. All good. All good. <laughs> All good. Um, so no, thanks. I honestly appreciate you coming on so much. I've been following you for ages. And as someone who's experienced, you know, loads of those issues myself over the years, um, and also obviously coach a lot of people who have similar experiences, like it's is so important so much that stuff I don't think people realize how many people struggle you know with those sorts of things even on a spectrum obviously some more than others yeah most certainly it's one of those things that I think it is beginning to change people are becoming more open about talking about their struggles but for so long it's been like oh I must be the only one that feels like this I must be the only one that struggles with these types of things and there's so much guilt and shame around these um these issues that actually when we talk more openly about it it kind of helps to eradicate those feelings yeah exactly why do you think it is that people don't like talking about this sort of thing because they don't they really don't yeah I think because we're ultimately we're all trying to well I mean I'd say I'm a recovering perfectionist but I think there's that image that we have to have everything right we have to be working towards this ideal whatever that looks like and obviously that does look different for everybody but actually if we admit that things aren't quite a hundred percent yeah that's when we're we're not perfect no and everyone's striving to be aren't they it's just a facade yeah (laughs) Yeah. oh wow so first of all I'd, I'd really like to start with your experiences and like how how have you ended up in this line of work what made it you know <laughs> well yeah because I've struggled with it but I'd love to hear your story so yeah it's I think going back I was kind of I think like most I mean this is kind of like end of teenage years early 20s I was incredibly self-conscious body image was in the gutter food was something that I always struggled with like I knew what was healthy but I didn't really know what to eat and then I started joining the gym because it was just at that time where it was becoming really popular like the strong not skinny look and I was like yeah that's that's what I want to do and naturally that snowballed into me falling into competing yeah which (laughs) it happens so much (laughs) yeah yeah so I mean did that help how I was no but at the time it gave me that that validation I guess yeah but when I stopped competing I realized that actually I still had these issues I didn't know how to eat like a normal person anymore because I'd been given a diet plan just to prep for stage Mm -hmm. and anything that wasn't on there I wasn't allowed to have so I just found myself kind of constantly overeating because I'd restricted all of these things and any sign of weight gain and I'd be spiraling yeah and that was when I was like okay this this isn't okay this isn't how I want to be um and like I said, at that time in particular, nobody was talking about this. Like competitors struggled with it, but that was just like the what you expected post-show almost. I was like, mm, this isn't healthy. <laughs> and then I found someone on Instagram, 
uh, Amelia Thompson, who was talking about binge eating, who was talking about post-show and kind of reconnecting with your body. And I was like, oh my God, yes, this th- I need this. Um, so I worked with her for a couple of years. And at the time I was a personal trainer and nutritionist myself. And then she asked me to come on board and start working with her. And we're now eight coaches as a as a team looking for a ninth it's an, an all helping the same sorts of sorts of people like you say on on a spectrum yeah oh that's amazing and yeah you're completely right no one spoke about it at the time like I remember it well people were competing and everyone was just sort of oh it's almost shameful wasn't it when you come out of a show it's like you're not supposed to struggle whereas everyone did they just did it in yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. You're like, well, I can't be the only one. Maybe I'm not disciplined enough. That's that's the issue. Oh, <laughs> no, God. no, your relationship with food is just messed up. Yeah, exactly. That's a whole other spiral you could have gone down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so obviously speaking, you, you picked up on that there as well. I've speaking as, as someone who's in the fitness industry, as are you, like it's so common that you see people with issues with food. Um, as I say, like we all kind of usually start off by tracking calories whether we do it or not now is another question but you know all those sorts of things obviously lead you to have a certain view on a lot of foods um so I've obviously coached people through through similar things as well but it's pretty overwhelming I think to sit there and think to yourself I need to heal my relationship with food like where does where do you even begin with someone who needs that sort of help uh I guess kind of identifying where where some of the issues stem from initially I think a lot of the time it does stem from a need for control in some respect whether there's kind of that feeling of uncertainty and so food our body is something that we can channel that into but equally with a lot of people I work with it's a kind of self-worth issue and underlying feelings of not being good enough in some way so again whether that is kind of we're not fitting into the societal ideal in terms of our body composition um but equally if there are other things we, we're not feeling we're kind of living up to while food and our body is something that we can kind of work towards feeling good enough yeah no, that's really interesting. I'm I'm sat here thinking about my own experiences and sort of whether <laughs> I ended up doing that. And I don't really know, to be perfectly honest with you. I think I I fell down a bit of a rabbit hole when it came to like trying to sort out my food because I was following what I thought was the right thing to do from what I'd seen mm-hmm. and what I'd read. And obviously back in the day, it was all about women like not eating very much and women yeah. doing cardio. So I wasn't, I don't think I intentionally did anything, but yeah, it's interesting. It's so interesting when you think about it. Yeah, there's, I mean, like you say, there's there's so many things that will influence your relationship with food and obviously the culture that you grew up in, family values and attitudes. But yeah, equally, the things that you read on social media, magazines, watch on TV, like you said, we can start with the best intentions just to kind yeah. of get healthier or lose a bit of weight and then it's almost like that snowball effect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so true. Um, So emotional eating, (laughs) it's a big topic to dive into. Um, (laughs) I've seen people often have two camps. You either 
when you're emotional or you're stressed, you either want to eat the absolute world or you literally have no appetite whatsoever. I'm in that camp. So if I, God forbid, anything happened to me, I would fall down a train because I just wouldn't eat anything. Um, But how do you even begin to deal with that sort of topic? Do you have any tips for people who are emotional eaters that find themselves maybe doing that when they, when they deep down know that they shouldn't really be doing it? Yeah, so what usually happens is that, like you say, when there's that kind of that initial stress response, many people will experience that kind of lack of appetite, that loss of interest in food. But when it's kind of prolonged stress, chronic stress, that's when food can then become the thing that we we turn to if we're not managing those feelings. Um, But also kind of it depends the, the type of stress that you're experiencing and whether kind of if we go down like the nervous system route whether you're in kind of hypo or hyper arousal like fight or flight or fawn or freeze and again those that tend to fall into like fight or flight when you're on edge and and food's not kind of the focus yeah so it's looking at okay well how would I manage those feelings and likewise on the opposite but if you are someone that identifies more so in kind of food being the thing that you turn to in those emotional states I think (laughs) I always say like just say it and and then realizing do you know what it's not actually that that easy to implement but Mm -hmm. creating a pause somehow is one of the first things so that you can have a check-in with yourself and go do you know what okay what's my intent here am I actually hungry or am I trying to kind of suppress how I'm feeling or meet a need Um, that isn't being met elsewhere and being able to differentiate between when it is physical hunger and when it is emotional and with physical hunger that's when you will get kind of the stomach grumbles and it come on gradually and it's not for anything specific but when it's emotional that's when if you're anything like me that's when the biscuits or the chocolate come in (laughs) and it's kind of urgent and rapid um that you that you want to turn to those foods and it's being able to recognize those things so you can go right okay this is emotional I'm gonna take myself out for a walk or call a friend and just take my mind off things because what we find when it's emotional is kind of if you're able to sit with it and ride it out those feelings dissipate within kind of 20 to 30 minutes yeah yeah and there's so many environmental cues for things like that as well isn't there like if you see a food and like suddenly you want that food and it wasn't that you actually did in the first place it's just because it's there and you've now become aware of it there's so many reasons as to why your appetite might go up and it's not necessarily to do with hunger Mm. yeah Yeah. it's almost kind of reminding yourself well I can have this anytime but am I actually hungry for it right now yeah yeah exactly interesting interesting um so this is a question that someone asked me on my question poll on Instagram and it could potentially go down a few different rabbit holes I was trying to sit (laughs) and like think about this one myself before before this podcast but she's asked how does one mentally deal with being in a deficit I know that sort of depends on what you're trying to get out of it or like what your emotional state is around food and your body and there's so many factors that is going to come into play but how would you go about answering that or even starting to sort of scratch the surface so for the majority of my clients like if we are working on fat loss 
they're at a point where their relationship with food, they've done a lot of work on their relationship with food, but they still have those worries that they might fall back into kind of that old way of thinking. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of asking them to check in with kind of their values and what's important to them and working fat loss in a way that aligns with that so that it's not kind of a feeling of should and I have to do this it's an empowered choice it's the decision you make that's going to kind of bring you closer to where you want to be um, is aligned with what's important to you Um, and knowing as well that I think there's often that idea with with fat loss that we do it for kind of eight, 10, 12 weeks, but it's okay knowing that you can take a break. And when it's kind of in line with your values, you might want to, because sometimes like being social is a bit more important to you. And then it's more of a lifestyle cut in that sense. Yeah, no, that's so, so true. I think that there's a disconnect sometimes between, um, people that might look at what you do and sort of think, um, if I improve my relationship with food and my body, then that means I'm not going to achieve my body composition goals. Whereas that isn't necessarily the case, is it? You can do both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, the amount of people that are like, well, can I actually do fat loss with you? I'm like, yeah, we're not (laughs) anti-diet by any means. And and I fully appreciate there will be kind of people that do have an aesthetic preference or need to diet for health. And it's making sure that it's coming from kind of the right sort of place rather than, yeah, I'm hating my body and, and this is the only answer. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, I actually saw a post that you did on on body positive, uh, well, body confidence for that matter that I absolutely loved. You basically said, stop trying to love your body. And... <laughs> I honestly I resonated with that post so much like do you want to dive into that and what you sort of meant by that statement yeah so I will and I I know you uh spoke about body positivity recently I think I heard a clip on your podcast and yeah I feel like it's one of those things that there's so or there has been so much about it that people feel like they're doing it wrong because they can't love every part of their body and that's why I would always encourage people to work towards kind of uh, body neutrality there might be parts of your body that you do love there might be parts that you can accept and appreciate and there will be parts we all have them those hang-up parts where do you know what you go yeah do you know what it's not my favorite part but my body on the whole is still great it's still doing x y and z for me um, and I think when we kind of try and force that positivity, it has a a negative effect. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I see so many posts that are like that, like too far that way. And you can tell me all you want that I should love my cellulite, but I'm not gonna like, so I can feel neutral about it because it's there <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it. But I'm not gonna sit there and be like, oh yeah, this is great. Like, <laughs> it's just not gonna work. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. No. Exactly. I absolutely love that. No, it's such an important point. Just having that neutrality towards your body where you don't have to look in the mirror and pick yourself apart, but you can equally go, you know, say you look in a mirror and you're bloated for whatever reason, you can go, okay, I'm bloated because of X, Y, and Z. I know the reasons I can now just carry on with my day knowing that that's the case. Yeah. 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 And if we think of kind of body image as a spectrum, it's 
we don't want to fall into kind of overchecking and yeah. we don't want to fall into kind of complete avoidance but like you say sitting in that middle where you can go well I notice how I'm feeling so I'm just going to be mindful not to wear tight clothes that make me feel even crapper yeah. about myself at the moment and not to kind of make sure I'm not spending extra amount of time in the mirror picking myself apart and just doing what I can to support myself right now yeah exactly and on that note like it's important to remember that body uh body confidence and that body image is an emotional state it's not got anything to do with your actual factual body composition it's it's an emotion that's going to go up and down isn't it so you're never going to have like a consistent level of that yeah so there's kind of like the the four aspects of body image there's um the emotional side of things that that's kind of how we how we perceive ourselves and like you say that can get pretty distorted if we're like mood and body image are so intricately linked hormones and body image are so intricately linked I think the more you kind of explore your triggers perhaps or have it that understanding of right okay when I'm feeling like this I'm not going to be feeling great in myself. That's when you can kind of almost take that step back and go, right, again, this is what I need to do right now to to help how I'm feeling. Yeah, exactly. For me, that is wearing baggy clothes <laughs> in the day where yeah. I just don't, you know, wearing my best my best gym outfit. I'm sure we all have one of those. Like we all have a favorite that is our go-to. <laughs> it's wearing that yes. or wearing baggy clothes in the day, not focusing, not looking at, myse- at myself in the mirror too much as well because that's, one thing like the worst thing you can do is stand there and just pick yourself apart isn't it and I know I used to do that coming off the back of like competition preps because it was such an aesthetically driven sport like you got so used to looking at yourself all of the time and it's actually awful when I look back I'm like oh my god I would literally look at myself every single day and now I could easily get up get dressed without even thinking twice about looking in the mirror (laughs) yeah oh god yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that is the trouble with it isn't it I always sort of try to drive my clients towards more performance focused goals in the gym even if they have you know body composition goals which a lot of them do it's not focusing on that all of the time because it is so draining whereas if you actually focus on you know your performance in the gym uh ticking boxes that you you can physically you know take off every single day like ultimately that's going to add up to what you want but it's going to be way more satisfying doing that yeah. over the yeah over the I mean it's it's one of those things with when you have got body composition goals naturally there will be a bit more body checking a bit more body preoccupation in that sense and I think having that understanding that yes that's okay that's to be expected but like you say focusing on all of all of the other things um yeah. so that the shift you shift the focus from the aesthetic side of things to whether it's the the um, performance based goals, process uh, like habits, yeah. body appreciation, like functionality work. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's important to remember as well with body composition goals. Most of the time, you'll get there, and if you haven't done all of that work that you literally just said, then you won't be happy even when you get there because you'll yeah. have <laughs> you'll have the next goal. It's just a continuing like rolling ball isn't it oh god yeah absolutely absolutely like I think back to stepping on stage and I still wasn't happy there was still more that I could have done to be better and and like you say now it's like my physique is worlds apart from then and I'm yeah a lot happier a lot more accepting 
Yeah, exactly. If I think back to when I started training in the first place, like the only thing I wanted were abs. <laughs> like that was it. <laughs> and if I was to like be back in that body looking at myself now, I don't know what I'd even think. I'd probably be like, wow, that's amazing. But <laughs> but now in my body, I'm like, well, I'm not satisfied yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we're all like that. I'm happy, don't get me wrong, but still still have physique goals which I think I always will (laughs) yeah cool so I think a lot of people with tracking calories it can be obviously an incredibly beneficial thing to do sometimes for some people particularly those that do have you know body uh, body composition goals but obviously I appreciate I have some clients that it's simply just not appropriate for um if you have someone who's wanting to step away from tracking calories how would you advise them to approach that so depending on the person slightly I would take one of two approaches either going completely cold turkey but kind of having some some meal guidelines in place that you know are supportive of your goals supportive of your health um just so that you are keeping some structure but you have a bit more freedom and flexibility but if you are someone that kind of <laughs> like as soon as you say we're taking away tracking gets the anxiety and you then a more phasic approach would be the way that I'd go down and I think you can do this as gradually as you need like for some people it might be starting so simple that you well when I say so simple that sounds as though I'm just brushing it off it's not it it can be a big step for a lot of people and that might be kind of initially you remove veggies or or then kind of only track your um your protein carbs and and fat so you're not tracking everything else or you remove one tracking meal and just build it up like that so that you begin to build the trust in yourself that you don't need that certainty that safety with tracking yeah I agree I think a big part of well it was for me anyway I'm speaking for myself a big part of my improvement with relationship with with my food is kind of just testing the waters and realizing that nothing bad happens if I was to do x y and z and it's you sort of build on that don't you it snowballs yeah yeah most certainly there it is almost like that that comfort blanket in knowing well if 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 i hit my calories then i know that i'm okay whatever the goal whether it's maintenance whether you're you're gaining whether you're you're losing weight there's that safety in knowing right this is i've done what i needed to do but ultimately there's there's not that trust in yourself um and i mean i i just think like i don't want to be in my 50s a mum and my kids are like oh well why are you inputting all of your food into an app like, no that that's not for me yeah no that is so true I think I think personally though it's it's a good thing sometimes for some people to do initially because it does give you a really good sort of view over what you need to be eating it's obviously really helpful from that sort of education perspective and as a coach it can mm-hmm 
can be, I say can be because not everyone's suited to it, but it can be really helpful to just sort of see how your body is responding to, you know, what we give it. But I think in the long term, we, you should have that view to not be tracking forever. I don't think it's a, you know, a healthy place to be or like a fun place to be <laughs> either. It's yeah. quite boring. <laughs> yeah, like you said, it can be a great tool for a number of reasons. Um, yeah. It's just not a forever thing. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so if someone who was working on changing their body, so they could be either overweight, trying to lose some weight, underweight, trying to gain some weight, if they were wanting to feel good in their body right now, what should they do? Because even though they're not at their goal yet, they might not feel particularly comfortable where they're they're at. Like, how would you go about working that? So... This would be when I would start to work on, even with those kind of aesthetic goals, still shifting the focus away from the aesthetics and building that appreciation uh, for your body in the here and now. So there's that knowing that, yes, even though you are working to change, the body that you're in is still good enough. It's still worthy of the same kind of love, care, compassion, respect, and So I often um, work through body functionality with clients. So that's kind of looking at the things that your body supports you with on a day-to-day basis. Um, And it's, it's often those things that you take for granted, like the, the internal processes, the, the physical things that you, I mean, that you do the kind of creative things, the feelings, the sensations that, like I said, you take for granted day to day, but if someone were to take them away, you'd know about it. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Because it's always a tricky one, isn't it? Where you have people that are just like, I'm not happy in my body now. But if you're actively working to change it and better yourself, there's no reason why you shouldn't be happy in your body now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it goes back to kind of the, the I'll be happy when. And like you said, there needs to be the happy now. So that you're still happy. happy now and yet there still never is a I'll be happy when because that's constantly evolving isn't it yeah 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 okay so on that note if there are if you had three things that people could do today to start improving their relationship with themselves what would be the top three things that you would recommend so this is I, I was thinking about this and there's a couple of airy fairy things that I'm going to yeah. go into. But I think first of all, kind of, if you're thinking about improving your relationship with yourself, it's identifying kind of and connecting to your whys and what you're doing and why you're doing them and making sure that they're not shoulds because they're like going back to that perfectionist, the the things that you feel that you should do in order to live up to whatever you feel is expected of you, um, and and doing things from a place that ultimately is going to serve you best. But then um, in comes the airy fairy stuff. I think learning to practice some some self compassion um, so that you're treating yourself with the same kindness that you would someone else you're not talking to yourself like a piece of crap you accept kind of that you're human you're gonna make mistakes along the way and that's okay it's not kind of a 
a, a personal failing by any means. Like no. you as learn said, the we're most. Human, we're hardwired. Yeah, you learn the most. From yeah, you, you learn the yeah. most from them. Absolutely, and and then kind of the the real airy fairiness is practicing some kind of mindfulness each day, like by implementing it and being consistent with it over time, you'll feel calmer in situations that you can't control. You'll become more self-aware, more in tune with your body. Um, and kind of going back to the the emotional eating side of things, like building that 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 mindfulness practice into the day-to-day means that you you have that ability to notice what's going on, to take that step back and to reassess um, what it is that you need to do in that moment that's going to serve you best. And when I say mindfulness, like I know people kind of shudder at the idea of meditation. That doesn't have to be the case. It might be kind of, it might be meditation. It might be journaling. It might be yoga or just going out for a walk without kind of your earphones in and just notice the sounds, the, the smells, whatever's going on for you at that time. Yeah, that's a really important point because my old coach will know this about me I'm really just not good at meditating or journaling it's just not a bit of me (laughs) but for me going outside without my headphones in like you say and just like walking in the daylight I don't know that does it for me and that's my time to think whereas I'm just I'm never going to be that sort of person that can journal or meditate I have tried have (laughs) it's just not for me yeah no I think like I said it's it's finding what is going to work best for you and for certain types of people particularly those that are kind of neuro neurodivergent like the moving um, meditation or moving mindfulness can be really helpful where you just kind of keep yourself like keep your hands or keep your body busy but allows your mind to just switch off a little bit Yeah, I think that's so true. I'm terrible at keeping still at the best of times. So (laughs) that's me. (laughs) Yeah, but that's an important thing to remember because I do think people, like like you you used the words earlier, airy-fairy, can think of that sort of thing as being like that, but it doesn't have to be. Um, You just have to find something that works for you. And there's nothing worse than trying to force something that just isn't you on yourself because that is absolutely not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, similar to kind of the the loving your body, but I think giving yourself that time each day because we are like a generation that thrives on being busy, but busy doesn't actually necessarily mean we're working towards our goals and and getting to where we want to be. Like having that time to to reset and and to balance, and like I said, ultimately to reconnect with yourself yeah so true well that's all really interesting um and yeah so 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 helpful so thank you so much for coming on the podcast do you have anything you want to add do you want to talk about no no thank you for having me it's been great speaking with you yeah we'll have to do it again because it was honestly I feel like there was so much I could have asked you today just like go through but I, I like the <laughs> podcast like short and sweet because if you're anything like me my attention span doesn't last longer than like <laughs> this amount of time so I just want to oh no absolutely yeah yeah no but it's so nice to talk to you thank you so much for coming on and I will speak to you soon thanks <laughs>